our I am statements. And today we're going to be talking about one of the misused I am statements that there are, but one of the most important I am statements that there are. It comes from the book of John in chapter 14. And in chapter 14, Jesus and his disciples have had the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and they're sitting around the table, and Jesus is kind of saying his last words to them. So the things that we hear are those things that are of greatest importance to him. He's what they really, he wants them to really remember. So keep that in mind as I read you the words of the Lord. Starting with verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and then we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Because if you do not, then at least believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father." I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The word of the Lord. Well, as I said, this follows the Last Supper, and... These chapters in John, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, are the last discourse of Jesus. And in them, if you want a quick summary of the gospel of Christ, read those four chapters. Because Jesus sums up everything he has been saying over the last three years of his ministry. Because he's really pounding home, just like any person who is dying, they want to say those final words that the person will remember. They want to say what's important 
what they want those around them to take with them. And so these are the words that Jesus wanted his disciples to carry forth when he was gone. So these are very important passages in the Bible. So we're going to look at this little portion um, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, he tells them, as he's been telling them over and over again, I'm going to be leaving you very soon. You're going to be on your own. And they still don't believe him. They don't know what he's talking about, even though he's told them time and time again that his time was coming and he wouldn't be there always. They're still going in their minds, well, what do you mean you're going to be leaving us? We'll go with you anywhere you want to go. You don't have to go off from us. We'll, we'll follow you. We'll go. And good old Thomas says, well, the only problem is we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going to. And Jesus tells them, I am the way. I am the way for you to go. And Again, he is reiterating that point that he has been trying to make with all of the I am statements, that he is one with God the Father. He is again making that point that I and the Father are one, and if you go anywhere I am, you are with the Father. If you listen to my words, you're listening to the Father. You have seen me, so you have seen the Father. And you can almost hear the desperation in his voice when he replies to Philip, After all this time, you still don't get it? You still don't get it? No, I am God. Well, this was a hard thing for the disciples to grasp, because... They were all Jewish, and the Jews were very strongly grounded into one God. And how could Jesus and God be together? How could they be one God? And we kind of talked about that when Jesus said, I am the light. I have split off from God, but I am still part of God. So he's kind of trying to explain this whole concept to them, but it's beyond their understanding. And it's very hard for them to get past this idea that God's up there in heaven someplace, and he's sure not down here on earth. So we couldn't have seen him. We can't follow him. You know, what is, what is this teaching you're giving us? And Jesus just keeps saying, he says over and over again in those 14 verses, I and the Father are one. There's only one God, and I am he. I am it. You have seen it, folks. I have shown you all you need to see. I have told you all you need to hear. I am he. And that is the meaning of those words, I am. He is the only God. He is it. And this is basically what all the I am statements have been saying all along. And this time he's really pounding it home. He really wants them to understand this. And then he goes on and he tells them that 
He is the way. I am the way. I'm the way you're going to find the Father because when you see me, you're already there. You don't have to. I read a very interesting little devotion that said, you know, God isn't up in heaven somewhere where we got to go get him and bring him down. And he's not far away across in some other continent that we have to go and find him. He's here now. He came in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you know, if you follow me, you know the way. If you do what I have told you to do, you have the directions. You have the map. I've already given it to you. And so the, um, the disciples must have been thinking, eh, I don't know, what is he talking about? What does he mean we have the directions already? Um, I'm sure that they felt that he hadn't taught them everything they needed to know. I'm sure that they were sitting there going, but, 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 what about, what about, what about? But he's told them, I've already given you all the instructions you need. You've got it all. You've got the way. I'm it, folks. I am it. And then he tells them, I am the truth. So he's told them that he is God, he is one with God, and that he has given them the directions they need to find God and to live in God. And then he tells them, I am the truth. In other words, I'm telling you the truth, folks. This is no story. This is no fairy tale. I'm not lying to you. I am the truth. And when we see Jesus as the truth, you stop and think, he was there at the creation of everything. He was there before there was anything else. So he knows everything inside and out. He knows the true way of things happening. He knows truly what is going to happen because he made it. He's got insight that none of us will ever have. Probably when we get to heaven, we won't have the insight because we weren't there at the beginning. We didn't put it all together. We don't orchestrate it all the time. So he's telling them, you know, I am the truth because I made the truth. All divine truth comes from me. I am the source. So you can trust what I'm saying. I wouldn't lie to you. How many times have you had someone say that to you? You can trust me. I wouldn't tell you a lie. Well, that doesn't happen very often in human relationships. But that's exactly what Jesus is telling the disciples. He is asking them to believe what he is telling them. And he's not just talking about the fact that he says, I am God the Father. But he's referring to everything he's going to tell them in those next four chapters of John. Everything I tell you, what's going to happen, what I want you to do, what I want you to carry with you, 
every bit of that is true. And you can take it to the bank. So he's establishing that, you know, trust me. Know me and trust me. And then he hits the last one, and I am the life. Now, he's already said that before, that he was the life. And this is kind of a at-the-end sort of statement. But what he's trying to tell them is, I am the giver of life. If you can't believe me, who can you believe? If you can't follow me, who can you follow? If you can't trust me enough to come along with me, who can you trust? I'm the giver of life. I'm your reason for being. And I'm thinking about this time. They're, they're beginning to, it's beginning to sink in a little bit, what he's trying to tell them. He's pleading with them to please, please believe him and follow him. That's all he asks of them. Because he's not going to be here to carry on the work. And so he's not giving them this great big list of to-dos. You must do this and go here and say this and see these people. He simply says, believe me. Believe who I am. Know who I am. Trust me. Trust me. Well, when we look at this a little more in depth, we can break it down, basically, and the things that, that he was trying to say. First of all, he's saying that I want you to do what I have done. Live your lives like I lived mine. You know how I lived my life because you were with me. You were with me every minute of every day. You watched how I treated people. You listened to how I talked to people. You heard what I believe the law said. You, if you know me, you know how to live. You know what you are expected to do. And he's not telling them, thou must do these things to be saved. He's telling them, if you really want to come along with me, you need to be with me. You've got to be like me. And you've got to do this out of love for me. He's not asking that they follow a set of rules like the Pharisees had been telling them. You've got to follow all these rules and laws that we made. He's saying, no, I want you to live the life I showed you because it's what's best for you. It's what's going to make you happy. It's what's going to make you fit in the kingdom of heaven. Now, all of us spend our lives looking for where we belong. As children, we try to fit ourselves to make our parents happy so that we fit within the family structure. And then we go to school and we try to fit in with the in crowd, you know. And we spend our whole lives finding where we fit and what our purpose is. 
And Jesus says, live like I showed you, and you'll know your purpose. You'll see your purpose. And I will take you to where you fit. I will take you into the kingdom of heaven where you will feel you truly belong. For the first time in your existence, you will belong, and you will feel that you belong. I am the answer to your searching. I am the meaning to your life. And so he's trying to impress upon them. Throw out the, the law book. You know, in, in Matthew 5, verse 17, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. But I came to perfect it. It's simple. It's real simple. Follow my example. Live the life that I lived. I wanted to read to you a passage from the book of Deuteronomy where the people are, are being reminded of their need to obey the laws. They were a very law-driven society, and there are pages upon pages of laws. God gave them 10, and they expanded them into something like 3,000 different laws. And I I look at that, and I'm going, yes, because they didn't get it when he gave them the 10. So he broke it down. Okay, that means this, 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 this. But he tells them, you know, surely... This commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go to heaven for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and obey it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and obey it? No, The word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. When Jesus is in your heart, and when you seek to follow him, you've got your guidance. You've got your rule book. You don't have to worry if you forgot. Ladies, if you forgot to cover your head when you walked in here this morning, you don't have to worry about that. Jesus wasn't concerned about it, neither should you be. This is really very freeing, because man has a way of distorting laws. We're very legalistic creatures. We want everything to be spelled out. If you do these things, you'll make it to heaven. If you stay away from these things, you'll make it to heaven. I'm going to spell it out to the the period at the end. But Jesus says, it's not like that. It's not how it works. All I really want you to do is love me and love your fellow man. Real simple. And I'm going to put that in your heart and in your mouths, and it will always be near you. You don't need anybody to show you that. You don't need anybody to tell you that. You've got it already. It's there. It's for you. So 
the way is not as hard as we all try to make it. Okay, we all try to make Christianity much more difficult than it really is. Jesus summed it up with the golden rule. Love God, the Father, with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul, and love others as yourself. Thus is the sum of the law and the prophets. That's it. And so all the debates we have about doctrine and theology, well, gee, you know, should we really use wine instead of grape juice for communion? Should we baptize by sprinkling or dunking? You know, is it proper to come to church in, for ladies to come to church in slacks, or should they always wear dresses? We get caught up in legalization that God says, none of that stuff matters. None of that matters. If you know me, you know what matters. You know the way. So knowing the way isn't just, like I said last week, pie in the sky, by and by. You know, we shouldn't just be living here just waiting for that day when we get to heaven. You know, a lot of people, you've heard the old saying, pie in the sky, by and by. I'm living for, I'm living for heaven, you know. I'm living for what's going to happen there. Or the saying, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. <laughs> now, the truth isn't like that. The truth is both for now, today, here, in this life, as well as for the life after this, when life continues. That way doesn't end at our death, just like it didn't end when Jesus died. Nothing changed when he died about his teachings. He didn't come back to the disciples and say, now what I really meant was, and change the rules. Nothing changed. Okay? So we're looking at life now. How can we live life now that we can have resurrection life in the here and now? How can we enjoy the kingdom of God now? We looked at the parables and how they told us how to enjoy the kingdom of life now. And they weren't fixed on how to get there. They were fixed on how do you enjoy it right now? How do you experience it right now? And Jesus wants us to live the goodness of heaven right here on earth. That's his intent. God gave us life to live abundantly, not to live just, oh, I just got to endure until I die and make it to heaven. Okay? So this is for now. It's for your life at this very moment right now, as well as for your life after you get to heaven. Okay? He says, I am the way to heaven right now. You can experience heaven and eternal life right now. All you have to do is follow me. So my belief on all the do's and don'ts 
of Christianity. You know, people, that's one of the things that turn people off about religion of any kind, is there's always this list of do's and don'ts. Well, I've got to do this and do this, and I've got to go to church every Sunday, and I've got to, you know, I've got to tell 10 people next week about Jesus Christ, and I've got to do this and this and this. And he's going, I want you to live. I want you to be happy. And you can love people while you're doing that. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have it right now. If you'll only follow me. And I see the the rules that he gave us more as if you live this way, you're going to be happy. Doesn't mean everything's going to go your way or that no trouble will, will ever darken your door. But what it means is that you will know happiness right now in spite of it all. Okay? If we live way Jesus taught us to live, we will be far happier than if we go our own way. We will open ourselves to what is good instead of what is evil and what is bad and what is dark. Okay? And he's, you know, he's very strong about this. All through his teachings, like I said, this is a real summation of his teachings. If you read through all the Gospels, you'll see a variation of that same thing. You know, live the way I direct you. Follow me, and you're going to be happier than you are right now. You're going to be better off. You may not be richer, but you'll be better off mentally. You'll be better off spiritually. You'll feel at home when you get to heaven. You won't be a stranger. Okay? So this is, this is what he's trying to get across to them. This is only the beginning, folks. I want you to experience it now. And he's telling them that this can only happen if he goes to the Father. And he gets into that, that phrase that people misuse a lot. Anything you ask me, I will do. Well, that didn't mean that he was our, our puppet that we could manipulate to give us everything we wanted. But what he's saying is, if we are living in him, if we are living as he has directed us to live, we're only going to ask for those things that fit his will. I'm not going, if I'm living in Christ and I, I take into my heart that money isn't all there is to this life, I'm not going to pray... Dear God, give me $3 million tomorrow. Okay? That's not what I'm going to ask for. And so this idea that, hey, I can ask Jesus for anything, that he's going to give it to me. But he's saying, if you are in my will and you pray my will, I will will give it to you. I'm not going to hold anything back that's good for you. I'm not going to hold anything back that's in God's plan for your life. You can take that to the bank. So, you know, this changes our view of prayer. 
Now, a lot of people say, well, I couldn't pray for that because it's so paltry. It's so small that I don't want to bother God with that. He's saying, no, if I have placed that upon your heart, pray about it. Ask for it, and I'll take care of it. But if you don't ask, you don't receive. Okay, so he's, he's waiting for us to realize, I need you, Jesus. I need you, God. If I'm to do what you put me here to do, you're going to have to help me. Okay, so he's not telling them I'm the big bank in the sky that's going to give you everything you ever wanted here. But if you ask what's in my will, I won't hold back. I will not hold back any good from you. So that's one of the misused verses in the Bible. You know, a lot of the wealth and health um, gospel that's floating around today. Oh, if you, you know, if you live the right life, God will give you everything you want. Well, that's baloney. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if you're living in me, if you are following my way, I will give you what is good. Okay? So he's, you know, that's one of those verses that, like I say, you've got to be careful. You've got to be real careful about taking just a single verse out of the Bible and putting your whole gospel into that one verse. Because if it doesn't match everything else that Jesus said and lived, then you haven't got the right picture. So really be careful of that, folks. Don't just grab one verse and, ah, this is the gospel truth. Yeah, make sure it is before you, you bank on it. All right? The other thing that gets misused about this passage of Scripture is Jesus saying, I am the way, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. And a lot of people use that verse to browbeat other people into becoming Christians. You know, if you want to be a Christian, you got to say Jesus is, is God and you got to do everything my church says you have to do. We become very dogmatic. We become very, you know, our way is the only way to make it upstairs. You know, the Presbyterians are going to get there, but too bad for you Baptists. You know, the Baptists are great on, you know, you only got sprinkled in the Presbyterian church. You want to become a Baptist, you better get dunked, or you aren't going to make it. Well, nowhere in the Bible did Jesus say, you have to be immersed. So they're placing on you a law that doesn't exist. So be real careful when people tell you, you know, I've got the way to Jesus. I know the way. Now, we are Christians because we believe that Jesus is God the Father and that he is the Holy Spirit. We believe that he is who he said he was. And because he is, we trust him. We trust his words. 
we follow him, we live the life he asks us to lead, and we put our hope in him. The other religions of the world, people, those people can live good lives. And there are good people who don't believe in any religion. Okay? But those religious leaders, none of them died and came back. Okay? Allah never died and came back. They didn't create truth. They didn't make things work the way they work. They know how they understand it works. But their understanding is shaped by their human limitations. Jesus Christ knows those things. Jesus Christ came here. He lived as a human being. He died as a human being. But he came back as God, the Holy Spirit. No one else can make that claim. So when he tells you, believe me, because I am true, you can believe him. So it isn't a matter of checking off the box. Well, I believe the right God this year. I should be good to go. No, he's saying, no, come to know me. Get to know me. Follow me. Go where I go. Do what I do. And trust me, and you will know the way to follow. And that is your hope for eternal life. And that's what he's saying in this this three-part I am. Now, get to know me. Believe me, trust me, follow me along, and you will have eternal life. He's not saying believe a certain document. You don't have to be Protestant. You don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Baptist or Presbyterian or Unitarian. He's saying, believe me, that's what counts. That's what counts, because that is what is true. So I'm going to wrap up. Um, Basically, I've come up with basically five truths that we can pull from these 14 verses. First of all, that Jesus is the one and only God. He is the only human being that can make that claim. He is the only created being that can say, I am God. There are no others that can say that. The second truth is that we need to hold on to his promise that if we follow him, we're going to make it to heaven. We're going to live heaven now. We're going to make it to heaven in the afterlife. Hold on to that hope. Don't go chasing after some formula for how to make it to heaven. Don't go chasing after believe this, 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 and this, and you'll make it. Stop trying so hard to make it to heaven. Live a relationship. Okay, and hold on to his promises. Third, look forward to him coming back for you. 
He says, you know, if I go there to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. I'll be back for you. I'm not gone forever. I'll be back. Wait for me. Look for me. Expect me. Another truth is, don't compromise my message. I have told you the truth. Don't add to it, and don't take away from it. Okay? We have everything he felt we needed to know right there in his life and in his word. We don't have to go looking for some nice meditative practice that's going to show us the way. Okay? Don't compromise the message of the gospel. And finally, only by following Jesus can we find true happiness and true life. He is it. Only by making that commitment to follow him, to follow the way, will we ever be happy. Will we ever find peace? That's it. So my challenge for your week is to we have some quiet time to sit down and think, now what do I believe the gospel really is? Try to write down what you think the gospel says. If someone says, tell me the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would you say? And then look at your Bible and say, did he really say that? Is that really there? Make sure you're following the right way. Amen.